Does the sun influence your retouching quality in some way? The sun? I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about it. I mean, I'm retouching at night at the moment. Yeah, I, I would probably say it does in, in a roundabout way. This is episode number 11 of Let's Talk Retouching, the retouching and post-production podcast. The show is brought to you by BoutiqueRetouching.com and LearnPostProduction.com, a school which will eventually launch and teach you all things about digital post-production. Our guest today, let's welcome Brock from Australia. Before we get into today's show, I want to mention, no matter where you are listening the podcast from, from the website or on Google or iTunes, consider subscribing because I think we offer a lot of value here with great guests and we put a lot of effort into post-production and it goes a lot of time in. So maybe consider subscribing, leave us a review, that would help a lot and would be really appreciated. So let's get into today's episode. So hey Brooke, it's been a while since we've talked and hello on the show. Super nice to have you here on the podcast. Again, it's been ages since we got together and talked about post-production, retouching, all the good stuff. And it's super nice to have you on the show. So for those who do not know you, can you give us a rough introduction? Who you are, what you're doing? Oh, well, my name is Brock uh, McFadgen. I'm a photographer based here now in Sydney. I'm from Brisbane in Queensland, in Australia, and uh, I'm a fashion photographer. But I also work as a as an assistant, a digital operator, and uh, a retoucher. That's great. And we got to know each other over retouching, basically. And it's super interesting to have you as a friend and have this open exchange about techniques and yeah. And we will get into a bit of that a little bit later, but I want to ask you what retouching in general means to you, just to give a little bit of an explanation, what you consider retouching and what you do not consider retouching. Well, I think there's two types of retouching. I think there's processing of images, which are like simple adjustments that you can change the image, you can shape your image, you can just give a, a, a general direction or a starting point to where you want to go. And then there's actually like retouching, which can be a bit more creative. It can be commercial, it can be composite work, it can be beauty retouching. It sort of elevates, I guess, your vision as to what you're wanting to create or say about your project. Considering your response here, is like which field of retouching you feel most comfortable with? And which you enjoy the most? Uh, well, I think no one really wants to put their hand up and say they enjoy retouching beauty images. <laughs> well, But, I do. Uh, like the skin retouching part, I enjoy. Hair retouching, not so much. Uh, clothing and compositing work is super frustrating at times. Yeah, I think it's when you can put retouching, like your, your, I guess your techniques or your, your knowledge and your background into something that may be not the common denominator that you actually do from day to day. 
retouching obviously can change you know, can change the color of a car to you know your your editing bird portraits to you know your editing yeah, you can also make chroma key images yeah <laughs> the, the <laughs> you usage. get the joke right <laughs> yeah i got the joke <laughs> um yeah you don't have to be even in the same location with retouching that's true and also it's a, for retouchers working internationally yeah, that's a big benefit compared to photography because photography you either work locally or you have to travel a lot and with retouching you can actually have someone from all over or more people all over the world send you in some work and you just send it back well a lot of photographers that i know and especially they work in a commercial field they won't do their own retouching because it's not determined by them it's determined by the agency they work for and the only quality control that they want to actually put out is when they shoot editorial work so that they actually have control of what they actually want to ha you know, put out in terms of the content. So they can't really control what, I guess, an agency wants yeah. to actually have with their re retouching, but they know how to shoot it for the fact that, oh, it's going to be edited in post. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I think a lot of people underestimate what's going on in the commercial field because they know how editorials work and how, from the retoucher side, know how it is to work cooperate direct with the photographer but not in the commercial field so when it comes to agencies it's going to be much more complicated so they usually have their team working in-house or they might outsource it to a local post-production company often because they are close and in the same time zone and so it's it's much different also to get into the advertising retouching than it is to work for just a photographer mm. and the expectations also i think are a little bit different in terms of the workflow you have to have because in advertising you will have to deal with revisions and not just one round. There will be multiple rounds of revisions and they might change depending on the client. Well, it's all client dependent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's all client dependent. So whatever the revisions, and like you said, there'll be multiple revisions to simplify and re there's a distraction that's not as obvious when they realize before it goes to print or goes to the final check before it goes to print they're like oh we need you to fix this <laughs> why we, we yeah. completely we, we completely missed it or the client and they go back to a client and go well we don't like that color now so can we fix that color or can we get rid of that person or can we completely change the way it looks i think there's revisions on, on editorial stuff as well but the time frame isn't as tight. I think commercial work, because the demand, especially with most commercial jobs, is often left to the last minute, you know, and I guess that can be said to editorial stuff, but I think the demand is that we need this to go to print next week. We need this retouching done now. I have heard that a lot with editorials as well, so, but the expectations are different. So with editorials, I have seen trying to get someone to retouch the images and when the expectations are not met. They might look last minute for someone else to do it. So you might end up taking a job like the deadline is just two or three days, which can be super stressful. But on the other hand, is in the editorial, the expectations and the communication of what is expected is more loose mm. as in the commercial field, I would say. Yeah, very much so. Which makes it completely different on how you approach it. Yeah. Well, it all it all's working towards that common goal and finding the right person for the job but with retouches you don't want to be the, the last person on the list you know you want to be at the forefront of the skills that you can create that you can show or at least demonstrate to clients of the quality of the work that you're actually wanting to juice that's true that's true that's true 
But I want to ask you, you are retouching for quite some years now, but how have you gotten introduced to the topic of retouching and Photoshop? Just to get a little bit of a background of where you're coming from and what you've done in the past. So that's a very good question. <laughs> um, Thank you. Well, yeah, basically, well, I was, I was studying photography and uh, I had photographed, I think, eight jobs over a course of a week. And I was very fortunate enough to meet an Adobe evangelist that came out from the UK a few years ago. And he helped develop parts of Photoshop in the early versions. Mm -hmm. And he really, I guess, I was, I, it became, it came happenstance that he was in the same town as what I was needing to, to do. So I guess I was in the right place at the right time where I was able to actually create some work with um, and, and new workflows or new insight of so how to effectively produce consistent editing work across multiple days, multiple images, uh, high volume images, where you get consistent results and you're not having to really necessarily think about it too much. So I guess one of my specialities since this was back in 2009. That's quite some time ago. Yeah. Considering you've been studying photography, how much of post-production was part of the curriculum there? Oh, it was very little. So it's basically still that people are lucky to get introduced to how to use Photoshop in a proper way. Yeah, I think there is so many, and I think that's something that you probably will, can lead into a little bit later, but there is so much content out there that most people's first point of call is YouTube. How do I do this? How do I get this grade? How do I create this look? How do I do things? Even, you know, we've all done it. But the thing is, is that, and I think that's something that needs to be implemented more across retouching houses, across retouches, that there is some curriculum that they're learning the techniques. And that's the same methodology as what I was introduced to, is that you're using techniques that aren't convoluted with this is how you do something rather than, well, this is the result of you using it. It's the why, it's the how, it, it's how you actually create something and not feel like you're overwhelmed with a million uses of how to use a black and white layer in Photoshop. It also always comes down to the purpose of why you have to use something and where you want to end up. Oh, completely. Yeah. And, and I guess it's sort of the application of the method and the, the application of the theory. I think even when you study at university, you're always taught theory and then taught application of it. You're actually having to do it. You can't always be told to read a book and go from chapter one, page one, and then work your way through it. It's not a simple task, but I think if you can create some fundamental basics, simple basics of Photoshop, contrast, color correction, sharpening, those fundamental aspects of photography and how they all relate to each other and how you can, you know, interrelate to those things. They're simple tweaks that people can learn, but you also have to understand the reasoning behind of why does contrast change my color when I increase it? And how do I prevent that in my work? And how do I color correct my images properly? How do I get a good skin tone? And also to have a sense of when I am using a technique or an adjustment, to have the sense of where I might be ending up with what I'm using and not just guessing. It. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing is like, as you, as you mentioned before, is to have the consistency. So you are building a workflow, be it if you are working in advertising or editorial stories, to make them look consistent and to build your workflow and everything around 
consistency and efficiency and all that stuff. And it's not like, okay, how I do stuff, but how do I do everything so I end up where I want to with every single image and still be consistent and efficient in my work. Well, that, that's the main goal. And that's something that usually is not taught on, on YouTube because like, okay, that's how we change the eye color or something. <laughs> and I think there's also that learning curve of people become overwhelmed with, oh, there are so many things to do in Photoshop. I mean, I can put my hand up now and say I probably only use 10, 15% of the program. Yeah, right. And they put in more and more. Yeah. And, and and it really hasn't changed much fundamentally, apart from probably speed or processing power. You know, you can edit more images <laughs> over time in a you know greater number. But just like you said, working effectively, it always comes from like for me and the methodology. I guess I've always sort of followed for a while is you know it's that working smarter, not harder. Right. You're becoming efficient for the right reasons, and I guess also the other side of it is it's understanding the choices that you make, and mm -hmm. I think good retouching actually affects good photography practices, and I think you you, you start actually sure. shooting and photographing images differently to have a better result or a quicker result for your post-production. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I completely agree, like it's, it's there is a comparison and even when I was studying at university as I increased my Photoshop and post-production knowledge my main photography base improved and it sort of improved sequentially and from that I was able to do other work and utilize some other skills that it's not something that would normally come across to a uni university student at that time. <laughs> yeah true and I think it's widely overlooked how much you can benefit from knowing about proper retouching when you're just maybe a photographer because there's one thing just learning techniques but when you gain fundamental understanding of how photoshop and how basically images work like the, the depth and how noise is created how the tools might affect your image in a good or a bad way and make decisions based on that you learn much more about photography as well basically mm. uh, the digital capture medium that's often overlooked and maybe not talked about how valuable the skill of retouching and like having post-production knowledge comes into play with capturing images very much so and i think like even back to the point of you know having a good fundamental or base knowledge is that we're always learning you can always learn new um techniques or appreciations but We're self-analyzed and we're self-critical as to, you know, we'll look at this brand new technique. Uh, how good is it actually in our own workflow? Can we implement this tool or this technique into our own workflow that actually sees the results? And there's a lot of things that have a lot of hype attached to it. But the, sure. you know, like frequency separation, for example, it's been the most discussed technique on a lot of the forums yeah. for eight to 10 years. Yeah, and that's due to like people are always promised these super quick results and they're not learning anything by learning the technique. And they might have been improving their images maybe slightly, but they're not really learning what images are about. Well, I, I look at it from the fact that they're trying to be more efficient. They're trying to cut down time, but they're actually sacrificing quality. And that's the problem is... That's is true. that they, they're sacrificing quality of the final product. And to the general, you know, non-photographer, they're not going to know any different. And that's 
that's the hard reality yeah. at times is we can spend hours and hours and hours and hours on on work and polishing work we can differentiate between a good edit versus sl- slightly not so good edit because we see the error yeah. factor in it but to the general client they sometimes can't tell the difference because they're not looking at it from that point of view but it's a difficult discussion i often have it in photography groups where i say like you're really not doing any good to your images when you're using frequency separation. And they are like, yeah, but it's all I need. And I always think, I don't understand the approach because I know the potential that lies beyond using frequency separation. Mm -hmm. And if they were willing to invest the time and learning about proper techniques, they would not need to spend like hours and hours. They would invest the same time and get much better results if they spent the time learning it properly. Each of us have all looked for a quick fix for certain problems. In terms of time, in terms of quality, it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, it it looks like the easy solution, but it will not get you to... And I also think it's like looking a little bit further, the quality expectations, they have risen over the past few years. And Mm. what was acceptable in the 90s and 2000s is not necessarily acceptable anymore. Mm. So when they're not learning about how to do it properly, there might be a time when they will be stuck with what they're doing and everyone else is doing much better work and clients will appreciate it because they get to see it much more, what, what quality is. Yeah, I can't understand <laughs> why or the how. And then they just like, well, that's a better result. So we'll go with that. Yet the client may not like it at the end of the day. And then they've just wasted all that time, you know. But it's just, I think, I think it's like, like everything, you know. And I think, you know, one of our close friends that we know, it's very much like you can come from it from a painter sort of feel that. It's it's an it's how you apply it. It's how you you know put uh, if you've got a Wacom pen on the you know on the table and how do you actually use the tablet correctly or properly that you know you're speeding up your workflow versus say using a mouse. You know there's always going to be tools that you can use that that help that. Oh yeah, I spent quite some time to make it more efficient and faster for me. Just in just in terms of well, if you've got two hundred images to do between now and the end of the week, you're actually getting somewhere and not feeling like yep. your hands dying, <laughs> and you know you're failing as a person because you're trying to get the deadline done. Yeah, efficiency is key. So, how would you say what is more important, efficiency or making things perfect? I guess we already answered it, but but I want to ask the question in particular. I think it depends on the the type of like job it is, you know, like in terms of like, there's one thing to have efficiency in terms of like a quick turnaround, you know, you've got a, a tight deadline that you, you use actions or use presets or use LUTs, or you use color grades that you can just slap on any image and, you know, you press a few buttons and happy days. Or you've got, I guess, you know, well, I'm going to take my time. I can still be efficient, but I'm actually going to have a bit more control over it. Yeah, it's, I think it's a matter of how we define efficiency. Yeah. And I have seen people ask me, so they were working on a project and they were approaching me like if I could help them because they are spending so much time yeah. on it and they are on deadline. And I was saying like, okay, you could change your approach and try this method and change your workflow a little bit and you would save up a lot of time for every image. Mm. 
but they have to be willing to try it and to implement yeah. it because people are usually lazy and they stick with what they know and they struggle with saying like, okay, I need to invest time to get used to this new method and I'm not going to do it because I'm on the deadline. They completely miss the reason why every time you are confronted with a deadline, uh, which is tight, you have to think about what is reasonable to do, not being stuck with just a routine, just because it is your routine and making it, can I meet the quality expectations and how can I save some time doing it? And some people are just like, they're missing the opportunity to learn and grow from that pressure. I don't think many professional photographers, if you talk about technique, they don't usually like change too much. You know, it overwhelms them that, you know, their their own workflow or their own techniques that they're using, unless they can see a benefit, they don't like to suddenly change something that could actually be more efficient and actually better quality for them. And I think there there has to be sort of benchmark that we each set, you know, of, well, we could have done this better. We could have done this more efficient. I mean, mm -hmm. I was on a job a few years ago where it was really simple. All I needed to do for this particular client was create a suitable workflow that they had end of year portraits that they normally would have at the, you know, at a university graduation. And I ended up processing 151,509 images in about 51 hours. So, which is quite staggering. And I like that number because <laughs> it, it's, it stayed true to me because the fact was, the simple workflow, it was only one or two adjustments, but that one or two adjustments made all the images, I guess, consistent in terms of exposure and mm -hmm. color temperature. It added a little bit of contrast, but then it was just exporting the various versions to the various departments that it needed to go to. So you had high res images, you had print images, you had web images, you know, that was going off to, I guess, an offsite location. And, you know, like I said, within 51 hours, so a, a week's worth of work on three different computers processing about 10,500 images a day, you know, it created this suitable workflow for, for the client. But you have to invest the time yeah. to figure out what is the best way to get this done. And, and, that, and that was the thing is I was able to come in as, I guess, as a specialist and actually implement a solution for their problem. And that's, that's I guess, what what we do as retouchers is we provide a solution. We provide a technical know-how or we should know a technical know-how. <laughs> I definitely think we should be a little bit technical. You know, and I think you have to be able to treat each job, whether it's a portrait job, whether it's an architectural job, whether it's a fashion beauty job, whether it's a compositing job with a similar outlook as to what the end result is and what is the deadline, you know, what is something that I'm going to put more yeah. time into or what am I not going to spend more time into so that I'm not wasting valuable money, <laughs> valuable time True. and valuable energy that, you know, you as the retoucher aren't spending longer than you need to on something that may yeah. actually be quite a good job or a quite a good client. That Yeah, time management is critical because it will add up spending more time on every image will add up working on a series of images, obviously. And also we do not only spend time retouching the images. So efficiency or practicality in workflow also uh, determines how much time you spend overall on delivering the images. So 
just considering if you have to open up and save a lot of files over and over again that eats up so much time of what you could use to be productive and you want to minimize that usually as well and think about it when you start a job how you approach it and what are you going to do in photoshop what are you going to do before like depends on what you're using sometimes i make changes in capture one just to be quicker when i have to do a minute changes on the images with the whole series and then i can quickly export them out again without having to open up the photoshop file again and really time management is is a big one and also consistency i think i think consistency is the biggest differentiator between real professionals and let's call them wannabe professionals yeah. or amateurs i see so many people who might be popular but they cannot reduce a series that looks consistent they cannot mm. every image looks differently their skies look differently their shadows look differently in every image especially in advertising i think also how it de depends on how demanding your clients are they will not you get away with it what do you feel variables that we use you know in photoshop that helps create consistency when we're editing our images and that's a good question usually i get to ask you <laughs> questions here but what's well, a bit of an open discussion about it <laughs> yeah, yeah let's definitely discuss it so in terms of consistency i think you have to have a good base in terms of obviously color consistency mm -hmm an overall consistency in color and also in terms of the different, let's call them subject, be it clothes or different subjects you have in the image, consistent in terms of if they have color balance or not, or getting rid of them, being consistent in terms of the overall luminosity and contrast. And also you have to differentiate what is the global contrast and what is the more subject-based contrast and uh, they have to match and also the luminosity so you cannot have too much difference here so it's always good to make a selection of let's have a look at maybe portraits have your subject selected and your background elements selected and adjust them so they are at the same level uh, in terms of contrast and, and brightness. Yeah, I find most of my, I guess, methodology is that there's, for me, there's only really two variables that I change is exposure and color temperature as a start before you get into cropping, before you get into, you know, contrast of all your images. It's just, if you're doing, I guess, uh, a bit of a, a glance over your images, it's just basically creating consistency. Well, yeah, you exchange exposure and exchange the white balance and color feel and stuff. So they all match basically. And that makes it so much easier when you're doing, I guess, an initial review of images. Yeah. And especially like I just, I just spent, you know, the last hour editing about 15 images. Like I'm not there, you know, beauty sort of fashion images. And, you know, all I'm doing is just doing slight adjustments of exposure and color temperature within the same sort of ballpark as to what each of the images are. But it's a, it's a sure. slight difference rather than it be a considerable lighting change, you know, mm -hmm. and obviously depending on your lighting or your environment, that obviously will play into, you know, consideration as well. So if you're shooting in full sun, sure. you know, then you're also going to have a base characteristic to that. If you're shooting in shade, yeah. you're going to have a base characteristic that. So it's, it's dependent on, I guess, your lighting as well. But, you know, it's yeah. just it. Looking at images in a way that you're looking at it from a whole job rather than it be a singular image. And that's, 
I think that's the hardest thing, you know, as a retoucher is that you're trying to create a look or you're creating, you know, I guess a, a feel of an image. And then the hardest thing for any person, whether they're they've got <laughs> to match it to, to the match other it, yeah, to right. match it to the next image, because we always spend more time on certain images. But then we get to the next one, we go, well, how how do we get it back to the original? You know, how do how do yeah. we get it close to looking like the other ones? And it's and it's really hard. Yeah, I think it's a good way to um, start with this, like looking up different people's images which you like. And trying to match, if you're a photographer, trying to match your images to their style. And this will train you in figuring out which components are changing from one image to the other. And what are the key factors that determine the overall look? So how is the contrast different? How is the color different? How much of this color do I have in the shadows? And how do the highlights look in terms of color temperature? And what is difference? And to break it down and trying to apply it to your image. And that's, think, I think, a good way to get a feel for how things are working and how you can apply a look to different images. Because most people are just, they're always asking like, oh, I want to achieve this look. How can I apply this look? And that really changes from depending on your source image, right? And I guess it also depends on the feel that you're, you're intending the images to be in. Like yeah. you could have a, a very warm sort of looking beauty portrait and then just by changing the color temperature, you get this cold feel, you know, and it has a completely different meaning, you know, and mm -hmm. I guess color psychology as to, well, what, what am I wanting to actually say about this, this work? You know, how does it make you feel? I think that's another thing that, you know, you're trying to do when you, you know, you're, you're working as a photographer, you're working as a retoucher is it's not just a simple fix that can be done in a few minutes. It's, it's something that is holistic and you're creating more of an element that you're, you're wanting to, you have more of a feel of your work. You're wanting to create some art. Most of my recent work that, you know, I've been, I guess, experimenting with and, you know, wanting to actually have is that, It's more artwork. It's more creating pieces that I could have up on the wall. You know, it's not just being a, you know, a simple, beautiful image. It's t taking it beyond what, I guess, the constructs of an image is. And I guess with retouches at times, got your clean commercial retouches, but then you've got creative retouches as well. You know, if you're looking for a retoucher, you're not too sure how to reach out. There's there's heaps of groups and on Facebook and, you know, the internet. And True. you can basically say, hey, I've got these images. I'd like to sort of see what you could do with them, you know. So, I mean, you can either do that. But on the other hand, it's like it's always good to also think about when you're outsourcing images, how you communicate what you want to get out of it. Because if you cannot put it in words, how can the other side know your expectations? Yeah, you... And it's difficult because we are talking about like visual things and they do not necessarily translate super well into words, but you have to figure out a way how to communicate that. Yeah, you have to have a, a common language, you know, of <laughs> how do you want your images to look and how do you want them to feel and where you want it to go. So guys, we are taking a little break here because me and Brock have been talking for so long that I think it's worth making it a two or even three part episode and i would really appreciate if you sticked around and would check out the upcoming episodes and therefore maybe consider subscribing to the podcast also check out boutique retouching.com we have some great stuff on there as well 
and I see you in the next episode. So hey Brooke, it's been a while since we've talked and hello on the show. Hey man, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, do I talk now? <laughs>